1: Hello and welcome to a special extra bonus edition of Line Noise. Uh, This is an interview I recorded with Tom Lee, the founder of Local Action. One of my, and I hope your, very favourite electronic music labels, home to T. Williams, Finn, Jordan, Unique and much, much more. Tom was in Barcelona for a Local Action 10th anniversary party and we talked about what the last decade has meant for Local Action how to find artists mission statements and more uh, this interview first aired on radio primavera sounds daily show the daily review but i think it is very line noise friendly and i hope you enjoy it <laughs> Two shell with uh, pods and as mentioned they are playing primavera sound and as also mentioned we're here with tom lee from local action tom how on earth are you doing i'm good i'm good i'm glad to be back in barcelona it's been a bit of while actually because you were going to be playing in, in December. Yeah, it...
0: yeah. so we originally had a showcase booked at NHTSA in December. And then um, Jordan got COVID. So that, you know, that put later that. Um, but yeah,
1: we are playing the reschedule tonight. Tonight, it's 10th anniversary party, even though my extensive research shows yes. that the label started in 2010. Yeah, well, we,
0: we were originally going to do the whole 10th birthday stuff in 2020. Uh, which would have been a full decade of local action, and then there was some sort of global incident, um, some sort of catastrophic global incident <laughs> in 2020. One of one of many in recent years that um, yeah that that caused us to delay everything. But it's 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 nice. I'd rather do it now, where we can actually have shows, and you know,
1: it not be this whole anxious process. Because uh, you've been doing a few shows, right? A few kind yes. of 10th anniversary parties. How have they been? Yeah, really, really good. Really affirming. Um,
0: we started with Corsica Studios in London, which was a big blowout. That was the one that had kind of been postponed two years. And every time it got postponed, we'd add more people to the lineup. So it ended up with about 15 people in Corsica. Um, yeah, it went great. It was it was really nice, really affirming. It was actually quite emotional, especially having some of the international family yeah, there, like Martin Booty Spoon and Unique um felt like there was a little bit of divine timing that that worked out that they happened to be in the UK for the first time since the pandemic you know aligning with our shows so that was great and then we did um show in Paris first ever showcase done in Paris which was really nice um did another London one and we are closing with NHTSA tonight so that's Barcelona has a lot to uh live up to. Yeah, you know, if it's not as good as, as London then Barcelona's always great, I think, I've I've been I I used to go to Barcelona pretty much every summer growing up. Um so yeah, like this is the first time first time we've done like I guess an official party. We've we've thrown it uh, off. You know, I th- I feel like I can't say that. You can a... say Sona. I, I say Sonar can say Sona. in the done Sona. Yeah, 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 yeah. No we've we've done... done we've, okay, yeah. I we like sure Sona. That, I've I been to so loads of Sona. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that was a sort of <laughs> Lord Voldemort <laughs> situation there. No, we've done. When you got to
1: offs, it's like yeah, I think I know where you're. Yeah, yeah.
0: We've done a couple of off parties in the and in the past, but this will be this 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 feels like the the biggest and most official thing we've done in Barcelona. So it feels like a fitting way to end the tour. So.
1: The label started in 2010. I ten. I'm probably think you you were a journalist when you started it? Uh yeah, I was working at Fact magazine. Um
0: so I was working at Fact. Um that was kind of I guess how I loosely got into the music industry was through writing. I used to um I went to university in Aberdeen actually, which I think you'll you'll appreciate the nuance of as a that uh, uh, yeah a yourself.
1: <laughs> interesting place to go. Yeah.
0: yeah, I studied English, which makes it even more interesting, I guess. Um yeah, so I, I grew up in London, I grew up in Hackney, um, but I didn't get into my university of choice, so I ended up <laughs> going to Aberdeen, um, which was actually great. I mean, I don't know if it is the situation so much now, because the main club that's orbited around Snafu has sadly closed, but when I went there, I'd been I'd been going out to like Garage Nights and d and like usual tried and tested UK music stuff, but there was a club called Snafu in Aberdeen, it's like a 300 cap like basement type thing, and they just used to book incredible artists from, like, the U.S. And, you know, I've seen, like, Theo Parrish there wow. and Derek May and, like, Slam and Andrew Weverell and all these kind of people that I was. I'd never heard of them before Aberdeen. So that was, like, that, that actually Aberdeen was, like, a real eureka moment in terms of, like, I guess the wider context of dance music. Um, and that, yeah, that was, like, huge for me, actually. But anyway so i i I was in aberdeen and i was writing for the student paper because the student paper had like a music section but it was all like rock and indie and i was buying a lot of like grime and dubstep records at the time because this was like 2005. um and i was like hey let me write about grime essentially um and that happened and then that led to me interning at fact and fact is owned by the vinyl factory group who also owned phonica records so I was spending a lot of time in Fonica Records, buying records, just chatting to the staff, blah, blah, blah. This is, We're fast-forwarding a little bit. This is like 2008. Um, and they basically just said to me, like, you've got really good taste in music. We really get on. I was recommending them a lot of, like, grime and funky and UK-based records. This is especially when UK Funky was popping off. So yeah. I was, like, buying a lot of those records at Uptown, which was a shop in Soho around the corner. And I was saying to Fonica, you should, this stuff's really popping. You should be buying this. So I guess I was advising them on what funky records to buy for a while, and then they were just like, "Look, like why don't you just start a label with us, just kind of focused on the UK underground?" Um, and yeah, that's that's the local action origin story.
1: So it was the idea for it to be a funky label, or it was like definitely to.
0: It, I think it was to represent. I mean, this was an interesting period where like UK funky is is co-lacing and interacting with like wider US and European house music, which obviously is kind of Fonica's bread and butter. So I think they wanted a, a label that represented like the rougher, more underground UK side of house.
1: So because the first uh, release was from T. Williams, yeah, yeah, correct. Who's kind of kind of funky kind of yeah, house? Yeah, yeah, sort yeah. Of like, I mean, he's obviously funky, but you you know what no, I mean? No, I know, yeah.
0: I know exactly what you mean. Like, I think he. He, and I don't think I quite appreciated this until looking back, but he he is the artist, I think more than anyone um, from that period who, who I guess encapsulates those kind of um, international and cross-border interactions. Like he was coming from a grime background. He'd grown up making grime. He was like pals with Johnny Cash and part of Black Ops and people like that. So he'd grown up on Grime and Garage, kind of fallen in love with like European and US house, was DJing that, was like a name on that circuit. And then UK Funky is happening, and he sort of molds all of these influences together, which at that time were very much like the label's influences as well. So he's kind of like, um, I guess, a perfect avatar for the uh,
1: what the label was kind of set up to release. I mean, this is like 2010, a time yeah. when 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 record sales, as in like yes. actual physical records, and well, I think it was two, I think it was 2009 when we actually right. right
0: started it but we didn't release the first record till
1: 2010 yeah the rec- record sales were not going well i think we can they were going s- better than they
0: were in like 2011 <laughs> but yeah yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with you
1: well, I, well, did how did you feel about starting a, a record label because it you know like okay there was loads of great music around yeah but like not a lot of it was selling you certainly definitely but, uh, definitely were you, were you kind of worried were you like what, what well, it, w- it was weird because our first re- our first record sold really well
0: um, I thought this is yeah, yeah no, I did I did this is the thing, and I think I think there's two things I think one, I didn't appreciate that starting the label with Fonica meant that I already tapped into their distribution network. I had them paying for everything, like they had a distribution deal with Robert they had a digital distribution deal with word and sound. They had the Fonica name, so like even just using their email list, I could immediately get. I remember getting like our first records to people like Detron and Loco dice and all these people that like would never have checked it out if it wasn't for the Fonker name. And so that was part of it. And also, I think we just... I think the days of people selling like 50,000 12 inches were all long gone, but we just caught the end of where you could like expect to sell 500 12 inches off like some big DJs playing your record. So it's a weird one because we catch catch the end of that and we kind of get a really easy deal setting up. And then the next year, in 2020, 11 in 2011, I should say, where I decided to take the label independent. There's kind of a, I guess, a a weird dovetailing where I then have to restart everything from scratch. I'm like, oh, now I need to find my own distribution (laughs) deal. I need to find my own pressing plant, like blah, blah, blah. I need to start from scratch. And also that's when, you know, vinyl sales have really
1: fallen off a cliff. Before, before we get to that, though, your third release um was uh, T Williams again and yeah. and uh, basically T Williams featuring Terry Walker Heartbeat yeah. um and it is a classic yeah. i mean a particular the, the Moscow remix is an yeah, absolute yeah, yeah, yeah. absolute
0: classic that's the record that like opened a lot of doors for us
1: did you did you realize how special it was when 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 you got it i did actually
0: um i, I yeah I, I i i don't think i knew how big it would get and how long it would endure but I knew it was a special record. So T actually, we did the first record and then T sent me a bunch more demos and they were really, really good, like just but instrumental house tracks. And he was like, I've got something I want to send you, but I don't know if you'll like it. And I was like, well, you know, cool, send it. And it was the original heartbeat. And I was just like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, this is great. Um, I think he was he was maybe a little bit concerned that it was very capital H house music, yeah. you know? Like it wasn't, it didn't feel like a funky record, I don't think. Um, but I was like, this is brilliant and then we talked about remixes for a while um i think i told the story before but but we originally approached todd edwards uh, and it didn't work out and then we both had this like eureka moment where we were like Mosca will absolutely kill this because he was Moscow had done a few remixes at that point and i think he'd he'd always just flipped records in a really interesting way and we always knew someone we wanted someone to take this from like a seven minute house groove to like a really condensed pop structure thing and um yeah, Tom Mosca just absolutely nailed it. We're actually reissuing that record this year with um, some new remixes, which will be fun as well. Have you got Todd Edwards on it? No, no. Oh, DJQ.
1: So, oh, it, nice. That's we've got. We do finally have a big two-step version. Okay, I think we're going to have to listen to it. Rob, can you uh, rewind for us? Uh, we got T. Williams Heartbeat Mosca remix. All right, that uh, you surely know it. It's the Moscow remix of Heartbeat by T. Williams and Terry Walker, which is a classic on Local Action Records, the third release. Uh, and we're talking to T- uh, Tom me, from from Local Action. <laughs> I was out I was out relatively late last uh, night, which is uh, yeah, I went for dinner last night as well, actually. So we we were talking like just just briefly off mic, about about UK funky because this is like the the label kind of came out came out from it. Yeah, I, definitely. For anyone who doesn't know, like what what exactly was is uk funky how long have you got i mean it's it's, how long have you got yeah yeah it's
0: well i get the impression it's something that's quite dear to both our hearts but i guess it's um i guess it's a a particular strand or i guess i guess a particular period of of uk underground house music in the late 2000s um i guess it's critical and and like commercial peak is like 2008 to 2010 11 um And it's kind of been going on since like i think this is we were talking a little bit off air but i think a sad thing about this is like um you know i mean what we're going back like almost 15 years here um but there's been people making uk funky really you know really good uk funky since and kind of even if not calling it uk funky like really rough and tough uk underground house in that spirit um And I guess a lot of these people just didn't have the same, I I, I think part of it is that UK Funky was the last, it's probably the last UK scene, I think. I, I might be doing something a gross disservice here, but I think it's the last UK micro scene like that, that exists around vinyl and exists around vinyl distribution. And a lot of those classic funky records from like 2008 and nine still aren't available digitally. Um, it's certainly the last scene I was aware of that orbited around one record store because it all orbited around Uptown. Um, you know, you had stuff at Black Market and things like that as well, but it really exists around Uptown. Uptown distributing a lot of the records. Um, so I think a big part of it is it's a scene that really has like a physical hub to it. Um, and, you know, for various reasons, that physical hub is taken away and it just didn't it didn't transition to a digital world as well as other scenes did. But it's a shame because... Um, I guess it's also a scene that is built around pirate radio and London pirate radio. I can't speak for other countries, but London pirate radio starts to feel less and less significant. Um, as the 2010s go on, you know, Rinse becomes a community station. NTS was never a pirate station. That actual underground network of pirate stations kind of falls by the wayside. And you've got stations like Deja Vu and Live FM um, and stuff like that, that were actually like, Producing really great funky DJs and really great funky producers. But it just never had the visibility, which I think is a shame.
1: So how, how did you feel, as a label that was born out of UK funky? Yeah. Not, not necessarily UK funky label, but that, that, as you were saying, was kind of your, your inspiration. Yeah, no, it's def- definitely,
0: it, yeah. I, I'd say it was, the label's made to showcase a wider breadth of UK music than that, but I think you're right in terms of, when it comes up 2010 is is when uk house uk house and the kind of dubstep grind forward culture whatever is like interacting in a really interesting way like it's
1: definitely born from that so when uk funky kind of was off its commercial peak when sales Mm. were kind of declined um did you was it was difficult for you as a label did you think right we now we have to find something different or did just new things occur yeah yes and no um that that period is
0: definitely that's definitely a tough period for for the label i mean like i say i think we had a pretty easy start for a few reasons but like the first two t williams records we did sold really well heartbeat especially um you know uh, and we had a couple of the the throwing snow record we did around then sold really well like commercially we were like hitting pretty well and like i say infrastructure-wise business-wise vonna made it really easy um and then two years in I kind of take the label independent. I have to relearn everything. That's one thing. But then also, I think T. T Williams signed PMR, which was totally done with our blessing. <clears throat> you know, it made total sense for him, but we'd lost our, you know, the main artery of the label really. Um, and at the same time, I think UK club, whatever you want to call it, Grime dub, step Forward, UK house culture, that whole melting pot is moving in a direction that I wasn't super into. Like, it had started, it all started to go very down, like, the sort of Route 94 style of house, which... Was
1: this, was this when people started talking about deep tech? Was
0: no, deep te- tech's definitely later. Right, right. Okay, yeah, sorry. deep tech's a bit later. But I think this is where stuff goes, like, super commercial house. Right. It's, like, the Route 94, Osev, etc. era. And, like, I like all those records. Like, you know, I love Bashamore's records. But, like, generally, it was moving into a direction that I wasn't... I never felt local action was aligned with. I feel like when the label first starts, there's a very natural connection and a very natural pipeline between us making records and then being played in UK clubs. And I felt like that fell by the wayside a little bit. Um, So definitely like 2012 to let's say 2014, I felt like we were, um, I guess stylistically treading water a little bit and trying to figure out where we fit Um, which isn't to say those weren't successful years. I mean, like we signed DJ Q in those years and like, he's become the artist that like no one's released more records with local action than Q. Brandy and Coke is still one of our best and most successful and most enduring records. So we had hits in that period, but it was definitely a period where like stylistically, I think we were still trying to find our feet and trying to figure out. Yeah. Just trying to figure out where the label fitted in terms of club culture um and i don't think that really comes until about 2014 um when i think boxed happens and box just puts like Box just gives the uk underground like a massive kick up the ass um and to me that's a, a huge turning point where uk underground club culture starts becoming like really experimental and fun again um not just box but other nights like chow down in manchester for instance who i think are a Really unsung Manchester night, you know, Finn and Anz used to be residents there. They would book people like Paris Mitchell, DJ Rashad, Unique. In, we're talking like 2014 here. Um, but I think that period, especially the relationship with Boxed, I think Local Action finds like a new, a new series of relationships, a new series of friendships, and that leads to a new wave of artists that I then think bring in the label's next phase and recontextualize what we do in terms of our relationship to club culture.
1: I think your relationship to club culture is a really interesting thing because um, for, I, I was sort of trying to think of how to describe what local action does. Yeah. And I don't think you can really describe it along uh, lines of musical uh, genre. No, I agree. And but what connects it? What connect, is there something that connects all of the, the music you release? I think so. And I
0: think I've only really realised this in the last few years. And I think it's come from... It's come from conversations with artists and, and, you know, I think the last few years we've really built this, like, family of, like, very tight-knit artists who are pretty much all friends, but musically are, are like, I think are different stylistically, you know, and it's like, okay, what connects Finn to Unique to India Jordan to Emma to 96 Back to whoever, right? Um, and I think a big part of it is, like, I think all those artists are, like, how do I put this? I think all their music is pretty emotional it's pretty high emotional it's quite high energy to borrow football parlance i don't think they leave they don't leave anything on the pitch you know like i think they really do put their all into into their music and so i think it's music of like heightened emotions i think it's yeah it's usually quite high energy um so i think maybe it's about it's about attitude as much as it is genre or style or or stylistic approach
1: that's that's kind of what i've settled on anyway we're gonna have to listen to a song well we don't don't have to listen to a song but i i'm i'm hearing unique in the background and i'm just thinking we need we need to listen to that rob let's go back to the start let's put unique on microdosing that is microdosing by unique which you hopefully know is one of my favorite records of the past few years um likewise uh, Likewise, this is yeah, Tom Lee who, put, who put, so put the record out, and he's still he's still loving it. Yeah, I, I just think Unique's like just a. I feel very privileged to work with Unique. You know what I love so much about Microdosing, right? Is it's like it's a proper song. Yeah, and I think I said this when I was interviewing her, but like, like Microdosing was one of those fashionable kind of phrases, and it would have been really easy to make a really shit song. Yeah, using it really would. Phrase. I
0: think that quite a lot. Like, I'm almost shocked that like. There hasn't been like a really bad like TikTok house record about microdosing released on like Ministry or something. Like surely it's such an open goal. Yeah. But she just did it so well. Like there's so much artistry to that song. And she worked worked on it so hard. Like she sent me the first demo for microdosing when it was like whatever, like a 30 second loop, like pre-pandemic. Like she honed that whole EP throughout the pandemic to get it like perfect. And she was so determined that it would be like her biggest and best record. And she just nailed it. Like she put I I can't emphasize how much work you need to put into that whole campaign.
1: I just love the line. I mean it's got yeah, so it's much great. Work. it's not my creature, my love. Perfect. It's brilliant. It, it, it's, 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 it's so
0: natural and brilliant.
1: Yeah. So we we were talking briefly, uh, off mic about Finn who yeah. who, who um who's got to be real, a yes. sub label? Brother label? I think we call it a sibling label. Sib-
0: yeah. At this point. Um, brother and sister label feels quite feels quite gendered and, and feels quite archaic at this point, I think. Yeah. Like. And yeah. I don't want to downplay it as a as a sub label. And it is run, they distribute through us, but but you know, in, in terms of like a business side, I guess, it's it doesn't sit under local action. It sits alongside it. So it is very much a sibling.
1: Like so, you Finn, who's a Manchester DJ and mm-hmm. producer. I just see he first released uh, a record on Local Action in 2014. Yes, oh,
0: he's yeah, been, yeah. I, I know. Kids, he was like, I mean, what is he? He's now 28. So yeah, he's still in uni when he released that.
1: So how did you how did you meet him?
0: Um, I met him. Uh, Finn, so Finn was, uh, I don't think he was actually a resident at this point, but as I mentioned, Finn was a part of a party called Chowdown in Manchester, um, as was Anne's. who, ch- ch- Chowdown don't get talked about as much as they should um, in terms of like recent UK club history, but for me, they were doing like a super interesting thing in Manchester for a long time. Um, and they booked, they booked a local action showcase in 2014, 2013, maybe 2013, uh, with me, DJQ and Slack and Finn was there Finn warmed up like great set he's a great DJ and I remember we were like we were all really impressed we were just like this kid's great like, he's a great DJ and then we were just chatting to him and I think he was I think he was a little bit um he definitely had a drink or two maybe something <laughs> maybe something else Yeah, I think he was quite refreshed and he was chewing my ear off a little bit in like <laughs> a in totally like a lovely way um and he was just going on about how much Slack Raw Missions had meant him and what great record it was. And I was like, well, look, like I've got, you know, I was like, here's my email, drop me a line, like, let's stay in touch, blah, blah, blah send you some records. Um, and then we just stayed in touch through there. And, and Slack was a really important part of this process as well because Finn was sending Slack tunes. And I remember Slack being like, we should just sign this Finn kid. Like he's he's brilliant, like he just gets it. Um, and he does, and, and he's like, you know, what, what are we, seven, eight years on now? Whatever it is, like, he's just such an integral part of this label. It's it's very rare we release anything that he has not heard or given some sort of feedback on. And I think both in terms of what he signed for, to be real, but also the natural, um I guess, the natural pipelines he's caused into the label. Like, we met Jordan through him, like, Anne's Ice Boy, Violet, a bunch of people, Clemency... Even people like Unique and J-Hood. I mean, I was already super aware of them. I was already massive fans of them. But it was, you know, countless conversations with Finn about how much we stand for Unique or stand for J-Hood were definitely integral to being like, well, let's just do records with them.
1: One I thing I love about about Finn's music is it's, um, it's kind of sample-based house music on, on the large part. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how. But that is the kind of music that's been around for ages, but he does it so fresh. And I really don't know how he does it. I think it's
0: because he's just such a, I know it's a cliche, but he's such an unapologetic student of music. Like he's an absolute sponge. Like, and I don't DJ a lot now, like I'm DJing tonight, but I I don't DJ a huge amount. But when I was DJing a lot and naturally playing a lot of shows with Finn, I just remember like every third tune he'd play, I'd be like, I feel bad, but I'm just gonna have to steal this in my own sets. He is just, and you know, he was like 21 at that point, and he's just such a scholar of everything from Speed Garage, to ghetto tech to Footwork, to, you know, Quato, to whatever. His just knowledge is insane. And he's this total sponge for music. And I think he's also someone that like gravitates to certain characteristics in music that I think are really enduring. I think he gravitates towards like honesty in music. He gravitates towards like yeah just I think honesty is a big one actually honesty and emotion and I think I think when you have that attitude and that is what you
1: seek for in music that's just naturally going to come for your own music should we listen to a Finn song please this this, this, this song um, sometimes going gets a little bit tough is such a tune if you if you if you don't feel good after hearing the tune I don't yeah. know I literally yeah. don't know what, what I can do for you yeah it's a sad song though I think it, in, a, in.
0: I think it's in a, I think I think it's it's got that perfect i think finn does bittersweet very well
1: i was gonna say cathartic as yeah well. i think it's, it's cathartic. Like, yeah, i agree with that things do get tough but like you know it'll be all right because at the end of the day you can have a dance and that, that's sort of the, the yeah
0: this is a big record for us in a while this is a big record for me personally because it's a record as well that reminds me to not i think reminds me to not overthink stuff too much when you have great records signed because finn is you know it's very easy especially you know 10 11 12 years into this label like we We've done big campaigns. We've done billboard charting campaigns. We know how to build big teams around record and really meticulously space out campaigns for maximum exposure and all this stuff. And when it came to sometimes going, it's all tough. I remember being like to Finn, like, we have to have a proper GOATS record. Like, it could be massive. Yeah. And Finn was like, no, we're releasing it in two weeks' time and we're just going to throw it out there and see if it sinks or swims. And we argued, not argued, we debated this a little bit. And Finn was just adamant. He was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to have a big campaign on this record. I think it's really special, but we are just going to put it out there. We're going to put it out there with no lead time two weeks and let's see what happens. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And then it just flew, it just flew and flew and flew. And I think a big part of that is the visual side that it's not like Finn half assed it. He'd had this amazing cover shot and so forth. But like Finn is sometimes a, a, a reminder that I need where it's like, if you have great records, you sometimes don't need much more. And sometimes it's best to just present those in
1: a very honest, simple way than to read the pudding right we're gonna have a listen sometimes the going gets a little tough Bite Finn tough, Finn sometimes the going gets a little tough um, and I really hope that lifted your day because it frankly always always lifts mine um, and we are with Tom Lee from Local Action um, who's label put out that record and has recently put out a 10-year compilation called do what you want forever yep another thin reference you see i was gonna say is it like a mission statement as well
0: uh a little bit yeah it kind of is i, I sort of have two mission statements that 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 rotate around my head at all times and interact with each other um one is one is do what you want forever i actually have both tattooed on my legs oh nice. um I, one is Do What You Want Forever, which I think is a, a reminder to do just that. Like, I think especially working music, I'm sure you have this as well. Like, I think it's very easy. It, I think working in a creative field, working for yourself, comes with a lot of like natural existentialism, um, a lot of natural anxiety, a lot of like, what am I actually contributing to the world? Um, and I think Do What You Want Forever is a good reminder that if you are doing what you want, you are succeeding in some way um, and as long as that is what drives you like don't stop um, and then the other motto is a, is a quite silly one I guess but it's the days are just packed which is the name of Calvin and Hobbes book which I used to read religiously as a kid um, and it comes from a comic strip where Calvin and Hobbes are it, it's summer holidays so Calvin's off school and um, they're sitting in their tree house all day waiting for Susie the, the neighbour who they torment regularly to pass by so they can throw a water balloon at her and Hobbs is like well what happens if susie doesn't walk by and calvin's like well, we just sit in the tree all day and Hobbs goes and the days are just packed. <laughs> and that's almost like a gentle reminder that like what i'm doing ultimately doesn't matter too much and it's it's something that i think grounds me and yeah i think together those two phrases like it's a reminder of why i do this but also a reminder to not take myself too seriously and be aware that what I'm doing is ultimately like a very niche indulgence.
1: So for the the compilation album, how did you choose the tracks?
0: I tried to be really objective and it was was tough because there's a lot of, I mean we've released 12 years of music, there's a lot of music I love. Um, And you know even some of our best selling records aren't on this compilation. Um, But I tried to be I tried to be very objective about I think where local action sits and what local action primarily succeeds at doing, and that is dance records. Um so I try to I didn't want I always set a limit of 15 tracks. I didn't want it to be a sprawling double disc quadruple vinyl thing. I hate that as a format. Um and I I yeah, I set a hard limit of 15 tracks and I was like, okay, we have to be objective here. This is gonna be a collection of our most successful dance records. Um and then it was kind of bookmarked with the Yamaneko and Emma records because it needed two things that weren't dance records and those felt the most appropriate. Um there's a lot I wanted to include that ultimately I just that just didn't make the cut and I'm I feel quite guilty about that. But yeah. I had to be quite objective about it really.
1: Cause I want to ask Do you have, and this is a horrible, horrible question, but I'm going going for it. Do you have like a favorite record you released? And I'm not saying best. I'm not saying, but like, but one that you kind of like, I don't know, for the time or for what it represented. I definitely have, I definitely have
0: those. I also have personal favorites that fell under the radar a little bit, and that's not included on this compilation. But, uh, you know, I, I have some real personal favorites that I wish had done commercially better than they had, but I'm still very, very proud of. But I think appropriately because it's playing, I I think if I was to boil down not my favourite record necessarily, but I think the record that encapsulates local action and what we are trying to do with dance music and with records is for you, Indy Jordan.
1: Because because why why does it encapsulate it? I mean it's an amazing tune. It's amazing yeah, tune. I think the whole EP as well, I think I think the tune musically is everything
0: I want from Club Music. Um it, you know, it's full of emotion. It's really well crafted, but it's not too overblown. I think it's so honest. I think it's just a very pure presentation of Jordan as an artist and where they were at that moment. Right down to the cover art, um, it has that visual side which I love, and I think, I think something we've done really well over the years and something I'm proud of is using cover art to give as another dimension of the music but really have it be artist focused, which I I think traditionally electronic music hasn't done well over the years. And I think we've really tried to change that with stuff like Finn Finn Records, Anna Records, Emma, Jordan, people like that. We really put the artist and their personality at the front and center. But then I think also in terms of the context, For You is, is one of the most successful records we've ever done critically. You could argue it is the most acclaimed record we've ever had. Um, and I feel like timing wise, it came at a point where I really feel like we'd finally after like eight or nine years hit our stride, finally reached a level of like visibility where it felt like things were clicking. It felt like people were taking notice of what we were doing, felt like people were taking what we were doing the way we wanted them to. And so for you, for you getting as big as it did was kind of like a victory for the whole catalogue. Um, so yeah, for me, it's, there's a lot of records, but I actually like, would pick this one in a second. I think this encapsulates everything I want from the label.
1: It's interesting. So w- would you encourage your artists to, to to do things like interesting covers and to have kind of stories behind their work? Yeah. I mean, I don't think you can force this stuff on people. And I
0: think there's, you know, this whole label, uh, this whole world we exist in comes from a long storied history of just great dance records where the only context is some people in a studio and, you know, a a generic Strictly Rhythm sleeve or whatever, and that's totally valid. Um, But I think when an artist does have more to say, and I think when there's um, something to be presented beyond the music, and like I said, I've listed them already, but I think really good examples we've done are like the the trilogy of Thin Records, with sometimes the going dance music is portrayed do it forever, Um, Emma's Indigo Dream, Indie Jordan for You, Anne's Invitations to Dance, records like that where... I think there's more personality to be shown through the visuals. Um, yeah, we really encourage artists to do that if they're comfortable with it. Um, I think I think underground electronic music uh, or musicians, I should say, and maybe this is changing with Instagram and TikTok, probably changing in a in a weird way. But I think they've just traditionally been like afraid of putting themselves in front of the camera and have been conditioned to like downplay their personality and downside, like uh, downplay like the human side behind the records and so I think when it's a record that suits that we really try and encourage artists to do that and encourage artists to be a little bit indulgent like you know yeah. I don't know we could pay a graphic designer something to do something that looks like a million other flyers or we could just do like a really great photo shoot of you and just put you front and center and yeah that's that's something that I think we we have done really well over the years actually I think I think we've almost got a little bit of a, a trademark art style with that stuff now which
1: feels good so you're having a, you're djing tonight in barcelona yes. you indy jordan and finn which yep. is a hell of a lineup. yeah i'm excited i've not dj'd in ages what what
0: can we expect um i think everything i mean i mean we're we're we are sort of loosely, I guess, playing all night. Like Jordan's going to play the peak period because they haven't a show. The next, well, actually, Jordan and Finn both have shows the next day. But Jordan has to fly to Tuscany. So it's like... Um, so they're going to kind of take the peak time bit. But it's loosely going to be us three all night. I've played back-to-back with Finn so much times over the years. It's always a pleasure. So I'm really looking forward to that. But I think you can expect everything. I mean, it's going to be from... I think we're on from 1.30 till 6.00. So I think there's, it's going to be, I'm going to play a lot of like big local action classics. Because um, that's like it's the first time I've DJed a long time. Probably probably the last time I've DJ'd for a long time. Nah, I'm, nah, yeah, I'm, i on. Yeah, consider, I consider myself semi-retired. This would be my like, Goran Ivanisovic moment <laughs> in 2001 or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think there'll be a lot of local action classics. And also classics that we've played a lot at our club nights over the years. Like just big... Big records that me, Finn, and India have all, and Jordan, I should say, have all played a million times.
1: And looking forward to the festival, which is in uh, the Primavera Sound festival, which is in a month. Yep. Uh, you're going to be over because you manage Jordan. Yes, um, and Jordan is playing. Uh, oh, what? I want to I, I, oh, I want to say
0: they're on the Thursday. I've got do you no the Friday the Friday the Friday, I think Friday. I think on the Friday. Uh, uh, so- I, I think them and Anne's are both on on the Friday. Oh man, yeah, that's going to be good. Um, and then Mum Dance is on on the Saturday, I believe. Uh, yeah, late edition. Yeah, late edition. edition has released on the label before. Um, long-term, sort of extended family member. Um, so yeah, that'd be really nice. And you're coming over for a few days. Yeah, or? I'm coming. I think I'm here Wednesday to Sunday, but my flight back on
1: Sunday did just get cancelled oh great great so maybe i'll be here for longer <laughs> do well come and come we're gonna have we're gonna have an on-site studio oh okay so um come come and, and say hello let's do it 100%. Uh, that, that'll be fun um right okay so we, we've we've got to go our time is nearly up so we're gonna right we're gonna play out with um a song now i've I, i've put together a sort of playlist um of various things i'm gonna spin my computer Okay. So you can see what is on that. Some of which we've already listened to, uh, but you could Am go I back... Am I the song? Is that what's happening Yes. Here? Yeah, okay. this is the, the big... Uh, all right, it's here the, we go. Moment of truth. Here we go. Um, There's... The tension is is ratcheting in the air. Uh, I should say that the whole compilation is absolutely excellent, and I would definitely, definitely go on to... I've I just picked you. out a few, a few of them.
0: Should we close on DJQ? That feels, that
1: feels... That feels a fitting end. DJQ... Um, I remember mean, we talked about this one, it's not the Scottish one. No, no, not the Scottish <laughs> well, one. The, far better known the Yorkshire one. one. Yeah. Everyone uh, everyone in the Labour is from Yorkshire now. That's that's I don't know
0: how that happened, but everyone in the Labour is from Yorkshire. And he's he's the king of the king of baseline. King, king of baseline. King, king of modern garage in my in my uh opinion. He, he's another one where it's like I was such a fan for years. Um very the only he's the only of or certainly no, he was the first person I ever kind of cold called about a release like I didn't have an existing connection I didn't yeah. know him but I knew he was playing our records and I was such a huge huge fan and I just hit him up and I was like look like I'd love to do a record by you and I think we've done I don't know 15 plus since uh, new album this summer we're doing um, yeah he's he he is probably the longest certainly in terms of volume he's he's the artist that's released the most for us so if there was an appropriate
1: one to end on cuz I love that Sonic record here. Yeah. That's, that's, that's such a good tune. Yeah, look, thanks so good. to UK Garage with lots of sonic sounds. Yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. But look we got to go Tom. Thank you so, thank you. It's so a much. So lovely chat. Thank you for having uh, me. Really enjoyed it. Go go to Nitsa tonight cuz it's going to be fantastic. Um and we're going to play it with DJ Q, all that I could. Amazing. Thank you.